If you were given the opportunity to take off tomorrow and live the life of a digital nomad, would you do it? Some of us would be rather hesitant due to not knowing where to start, how to plan and budget accordingly, and how to make the most of your time traveling by finding the balance between work and adventure. On today's episode, through sharing her journey into the life of a digital nomad and her adventures solo traveling, our guest Naomi Harris is going to answer all of that and more. Hello and welcome to the Solo Travel Woman Podcast, a place where women come to get empowered and to say goodbye to the stigmas around solo travel so they can start living life on their own terms. I'm Sarah, a huge travel enthusiast and also the host of the show, and I am so excited you are here. To join us in on the conversation, be sure to check us out at solotravelwoman.com and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at solotravelwoman. So without any further talking, let's start our journey. Naomi, thank you so much for joining today on the Solo Travel Woman podcast. Really excited to have you here and to just talk all about becoming a digital nomad and your travels. I know our listeners are very interested in this, so I'm definitely sure they're going to love hearing what you have to say today. I, it is such a privilege to be here, Sarah, and I'm so excited to um, to share about, I love travel and I never get to talk about it enough. So this is an absolute treat and pleasure for me as well. Oh, yay. So good. So before we really dive into the journey of how you became a digital nomad and how you, mm-hmm. you know, chose the destinations you've gone to and where you are now, what actually, because I know so many people go through so many transitions in their life, whether it's personal relationships and mm-hmm. or just kind of sick of being stuck in that everyday routine. What led yeah. you actually to making such a big decision of, you know, kind of packing up and just traveling the world as a nomad? So for me, it was, um, well, it was COVID, but kind of indirectly COVID. I was working in the US for 2018, 2019. And then I came back to Australia very briefly at the beginning of 2020 and then headed off to the UK to hike in Wales, because in Wales, you can hike the entire coastline of the country from top to bottom, which was going to be like my 2020 March summer excitement. And then, you know, March 2020, the whole world changed. And so I wound up back in Melbourne, Australia, um, and unexpectedly, and then in, in about six months worth of lockdown. And it was actually the lockdown that made me realize that I needed to really radically do something different in my life because not only staying in one place, but lockdown in one place really showed to me how much I needed to move and how much I really crave adventure. And so I just found a way and set up my life to become a digital nomad in order to like to fulfill that need that I've got. I love that. And that's, I mean, I so many people, right? COVID kind of changed mm-hmm. the way of living and just the mm-hmm. thinking of what is the normal. Um, I know so many people that kind of took advantage of that and yeah. packed up and was just like, you know what? I'm not going to just sit here. I'm going to try to do something different. And, mm-hmm. you know, you. I think people, so many people realize that in an instant, our world can completely be shaken, you know, yeah. and shifted. And so you don't want to have any, you know, missed moments and missed opportunities. Um, now I know that you've had a bit of a health journey as well. 
Um, mm-hmm. Was that any bit of a factor as to, you know, why you made this decision? And if you wanted to touch a little bit on that, I think that would be of interest because I know a lot of our listeners are very much in tune with their health and wellness, whether it's mental, yeah. physical, everything like that. You know, I think it's probably more of an indirect touch, but it definitely factors in. I think what happened, and I think this is probably true of a lot of us. So I also work um, in the health field. We'll talk a little bit more about the life as the working life of a digital nomad, but I work in supporting women with their own health in the health field. And I think it's true for a lot of us as we get healthier and as we work through the things that are holding us like holding us uncomfortable in our own bodies or in our own minds or whatever we have going on, that as that stuff starts to transform and lift and there's a freedom that comes from feeling healthy, it kind of opens us up to more possibility in the world. And for me, as I got healthier and as I worked through, um, like I have a history of disordered eating and disordered body image and some other various Um, health issues. And as I've worked through those and opened up that aspect of myself, I've actually also realized that the need that I have to be having adventures and to be actually out in the world. So it's a bit of an indirect yes, but it's a definite yes. Those two things are definitely impacting each other. I don't know about you, but as much as I love solo travel, I also sometimes miss having a friend with me to take in a show or people watch or just kind of venture around town with? Well, I have found the perfect app. It is called Torlina. So Torlina is the first female travel app that verifies travelers, whether they're backpackers or luxury travelers, to connect with each other based on that passion for travel and that sense of adventure. You can connect with women that are local to the destination you're traveling to or with others before your travel even begins to see who might be in town and wants to meet up for an evening for part of their trip. Women tend to find more meaningful and long-lasting connections with other women. And you also make such lifelong friendships when you're on your adventure and when you're journeying around the world. And Torlina really just helps you make that connection in a safe way. So I have a great offer for you. Torlina has given us 100% off for all of our listeners by using the code Sarah100 at torlina.com. And I mean, why would you say no? It's totally free. So use the code Sarah100 and I can't wait to see who you meet on your journey. I really want to dive into now, you know, you becoming that nomad and, you know, where you've been and what you do. And, you know, so I guess let's kick it off with, you know, kind of like what destinations have you gone to, you know, what led you to where you're going and then just kind of dive in into the world of a digital nomad and whatever you'd like to share with us. The first place that I wound up in the middle of last year when I first left Melbourne, Australia was um, Greece. And I came here because I have a friend who's also a digital nomad and she's been doing it for quite a lot longer. And she comes to Greece every summer because there's a place that I know now that um, they have these amazing tents where you can live in a tent over, um, the, over the summer. And they're okay with having us living and working here as long as we're discreet about it so that the other guests who are here purely on holiday impacted too much by us but I think they actually also enjoy the stability of having people here for an extended length of time and so it's a 
epic place to be and it's a really beautiful life, which I'll talk a little bit more about the, the work-life balance, but it's really amazing here. Um, so that's where I started summer last year and that's where I'm back here now for this summer. And in, the, in between, I have always had the van life dream. It's been on the list for years. And so I decided that if I'm going to be a digital nomad, I might as well try to make it a reality. So exactly. in <laughs> I flew up to the UK and I bought myself a camper van that was um, pretty much off grid and ready for living. I need, it needed a little bit of work. Um, and I, for some reason, decided to spend the winter in the UK in a van, which in hindsight was maybe not the ideal decision just because of weather, but it was actually okay as well. And it was really, really fun. Like it was crazy amounts of fun to live in a van for about six months up there. And then um, and then I drove slowly back down. I, I sold the camper and I um, just got a little car to travel around Europe. And I've just been driving slowly back down to Greece with various stops along the way for fun. And I'm back here for the summer again. That's amazing. I need to know more about this camper van. I have always wanted to do that, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, even being like a solo, you know, travel advocate and like really being fearless and stuff. That's probably the one thing that does get me a little nervous. Yeah. Which as what aspect of it gets you nervous? What do you think it is? I think just, you know, I feel like it's kind of like driving a motorcycle versus a car. You're like, yeah prone to the same challenges and the same risks as yeah. being in a car as you are in a motorcycle, but you're yeah. more exposed. And yes. so I look at it that way. It's like, yes, things can happen to me in a hotel or an Airbnb, whatever. And yeah. that can happen to me in a camper van, but I'm more exposed. I just feel more exposed, if that makes sense, and more vulnerable. And yes. so it's kind of getting over that, you know, like I teach everyone, like, really, how do I embrace that fear to make the most of it and like not let yeah. it hold me back? Yeah, totally. Okay, so the thing I'll say, especially about being a digital nomad in a camper van, but actually, honestly, like, there's a lot of, so I met so many van lifers in the UK, because yeah. there's a portrait over there. And so there's a lot of people living and working from camper vans. Um, and not everybody would consider themselves a digital nomad. Some people just have like, a distance work situation or something. <laughs> But the thing that I would say more than anything else is that living in a van is a part-time job and you need to factor that into your life, like in a really big way, finding a place to park up, finding a place to dump your trash, finding a place to get water, finding the place to get food, making sure that you've got enough solar for your battery, making sure you've got enough diesel to run your heater. Make Like it is a part-time job. It's it takes more effort and energy to run a van than it does to run a house, which seems kind of crazy because it's half the size, well, a whole lot less than half the size. But, um, yeah, so if you work like a full-time or a full-time plus job, putting van life on top of that can actually be really super stressful would be my only, like, tip about. That makes sense, yeah. And then in terms of, like, the safety aspects or, um, the vulnerability of it, I think what I found that I got really lucky with, but also I think is accessible to most is that the, the van life communities, like it's the most extraordinary community of people and everybody's got your back. So I made friends with a guy who was a mechanic and he became my mechanic. 
And I made friends with a woman who was a carpenter and she fixed the things that needed to be fixed. And we actually met randomly because my skylight was leaking and I was trying to buy things to fix it myself. And she said, that's not going to work. And I was like, can you fix it for me? And so she fixed it. My, and I was like, oh, my God, you're an angel. And then she fixed everything. And so um, and then I just like I met people all the time and everybody had a skill set and I would offer what I could offer to the community as well. And so I think one of the things about van life is like learning that you're not an isolated person who has to do everything themselves, that that's a real difference in terms of house living that I noticed. That's awesome. It makes me think of that movie Nomad. Um, everyone, it's, yeah. like, it's just like living in a little cul-de-sac community. It's like people park in the yeah. same areas and you just become friends and you might travel around together. <laughs> it. And then you also learn the tips of like, oh, go and stay at this place because you're not going to get the knock on the door at 3 a.m. asking you to move on or it feels really safe and the people who are staying there already feel really legit or whatever it is. So yeah, like talking to people and finding out like the on the ground information is really important. And then especially as a like a woman on them their own in a van, but also for the dudes, because I've heard some stories that guys have had some issues as well, is like trust your gut. If you pull up in yeah. a place and it doesn't feel right, you can drive away. Yeah. Make sure that your van is rigged up in a way that you can get from your bed into the driver's seat without having to leave the van and that you've got it rigged up in a way that people can't, like there's things that you can do to make it harder for people to break into the van as well. And you can always just drive away. That's a really good tip, actually. Like I've actually not heard that one where, you know, make sure that you can get from your bed to the driver's seat and very smooth, you know, and you kind of have that yeah. straight line. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's the biggest tip with anything, right, is to trust your instinct. I mean, you might be completely wrong, but I'd rather be wrong and make that decision than not trust my instinct and would have been right. You know what I mean? So it's totally. yeah, it's 100% like there's a reason you're feeling that way. Who cares if you've hurt someone's feelings, like whether you're at a hotel or staying with a host family or like you said, driving in somewhere and it just you're getting a bad vibe, just yeah. go somewhere else. Even if it's a Walmart yeah. parking lot, go somewhere else. <laughs> 100%. And that's not for like any piece of travel, any piece of travel ever. Even if you've paid for the Airbnb, if you walk into the Airbnb and you get the vibe that something's off, don't stay. It's yeah. not money. It's not worth like staying because you're worried about losing the money in order to like to put yourself in a situation where your body is saying to you, it, you need to leave now. Like go. If you need to go, go is a big tip that I would say. A hundred percent. So when it came to the, like the logistics of, you know, starting to get out there, doing the camper van, mm -hmm. um, becoming a gnome, you know, doing the nomad life, you know, a lot of people I think go into it too, without having a plan just yet. You know, mm -hmm. there are folks out there that, you know, have the plan in place and, you know, kind of map out what they're going to do. But then some are just like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to freestyle it. I'm going to mm -hmm. figure it out as I go. And yep. kind of go from there. What type of like advice and guidance or yeah. tips and tricks to planning, budgeting, all that, what can you give to someone who's like, okay, I want to sit down and this is seriously something I'd like to do? Yeah. Okay. So I'm a freestyler more than a planner. I um I really I'm a very much a freestyler. So I'm gonna be talking <laughs> at this from the freestyler's perspective. Love it. Um, 
And so I think one of the things that I did and I do is that I actually, rather than getting really specific and the like minutiae of the details, I kind of work out what it is that I'm looking for. After this summer, I'm looking for somewhere more northern than here. I would like to spend some time after Christmas, up to three months in some kind of established community where I can go and live in my own space and I can support the community for up to two hours a day with whatever duties are needed to do. And then I have this other whole long list of criteria. And I just get really like that's my genuinely what I'm looking for starting probably in about um, February next year. And so I'm, I've gotten really clear on what the kind of essence of the thing that I'm looking for is. And I'm just putting it, I'm just going, I want it to be easy. I want to meet somebody who knows somebody. I want this to fall into my lap. And I'm kind of letting go of the need to control it. And one thing that I will say about being a digital nomad, especially a freestyler, is you really learn about your own relationship with trust. Because you just sometimes just need to trust that things are going to work out. And in my experience, they do work out. But the trust piece is the hardest piece that that's actually going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I think I think often we don't trust ourselves enough that, you know, I can do this. This is something, you know, and I think I know for me that's something solo travel has taught me is that I'm a lot more capable of things than I thought I was. Yeah. Um, and I, whether I lived on my own for years prior or not, I mean, I just learned so much about my instincts and who I am and what I'm capable of and that, you know, yeah. I need to, you need to trust your own decisions and your own judgment um, you before do. you can trust anybody else, you know, yeah. you have to, you have to trust yourself. Yeah. yeah and trust that things are going to work out as well. Yeah. I think is like the, the kind of, without being like, completely blasé and not putting any energy energy into it and then going, well, why didn't that work? But actually going, yeah, I'm going to step into life and I trust that it's going to work out and let's have the adventure of seeing what that looks like. Exactly. It's all about mindset, you know what I mean? And shifting your mindset too into a more positive one. You know, you can get so upset because a plan doesn't go the way you want it to. But instead Mm -hmm. of that, I always say, look at what then you're now able to do because that plan didn't go that way. So let's say, you know, you get to that lot, you know, or that area to park your camper van or that hotel or Airbnb, whatever. And it does give you bad vibes. You could let that completely ruin your experience or you can look at it like, well, now I get to stay someplace else that might have me in having a totally different and amazing experience. Like it's just shifting how you look at it. Exactly. Yes. I love and, and the tip that I would give for where, no matter whether you're freestyle or whether you're a planner is if you like if you are genuine I want to you know I want to give digital nomad life a try find a place do you do a little bit of research and find a place that you would love to be that you can afford as in a region that you can afford, like Greece, for example, is quite cheap and Portugal is quite cheap um, and Spain, of course, is cheap. And then the other areas of Europe are expensive and then Asia is a lot, quite a lot cheaper in a lot of the areas. So find the region or the area that you can afford, find a place that you feel, even from a distance, feels right to you and commit to staying there for two to three months while you work out what it takes to live this life. 
so that you don't feel like I'm only going to be there for a week and then I'm going to be moving on in a week because that there's an there's a stress that comes with that knowing that you have to do your job and then that you're traveling at the same time like it's an immense amount of stress it can be depending on where you're at in the process and so actually finding a place to stay in the beginning so that you can sort out what it takes would be one of my biggest tips of starting out yeah no that's a great tip and do you how do you pick the places like when you're not like besides the camper van like how have you chosen you know your accommodation or lodging or housing when you've gone to the different destinations so uh it's usually um it's word of mouth okay or it is um that I really want to go to a region and it's purely budget so I just work out what my you know what I've got left to budget this month and this looks like a place that I can do that in and I'm and I'm willing to give it a go from what I can see. You know, even Google Satellite and things like that to like really check it out beforehand and make sure that it's accessible by public transport if that's what I need or, um, you know, working out what it is that I'm actually going to need in order to thrive there, making sure it ticks all of those boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I mean, I'm a bit of a researcher. For all that I'm a fr- like I'm a freestyler, I'm also a researching freestyler. So I love to like spend half an hour just like researching a place and then going, yeah, maybe not. It's a bit far from here or the weather's going to whatever. I'm going to try this other place instead until I find a place that I really vibe with that I want to try. That's yeah, that's that that makes sense. And do you typically stay in like Airbnbs and stuff when you travel or? I do. I, yeah, so I, I'm lucky in that I do have some family in Europe, oh, nice. uh, which is also, so we haven't been talking about visas and passports and that kind of thing. So I am very lucky in that I have a passport that is um, usable in the European Union. So I have the oh, freedom right. of Europe. Yeah. <laughs> we, can talk, we can talk about visa because I also have friends who are trying to work this out. And so I do have a little bit of knowledge about oh, visa. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's definitely um, something people are interested in learning. So interested in working out, I know. Um, so I have a little bit of freedom in that I have family that I can stay with, but they also know that because they're Europeans, they know the places to go. And so, you know, they, they're suggesting countries. And then, yeah, I'm finding Airbnbs, um, but I'm also really open to alternatives. So I'm quite low maintenance in terms of what I need. The, the things, I mean, the obvious thing that I need more than anything else is Wi-Fi and a source of power. They're the two things that are absolutely non-negotiable. I need to have to be able to get online and I need it to be like, good online connection and I need to have a source of power everything else sort of comes from after that um but I'm also willing to you know for example here in Greece I live in a tent it's a big tent you know I can stand up in the tent and it's got a real bed in it but it is a tent and I have lived in a van and I'm happy to live in a yurt or I'm happy to live in like a little room at the back of somebody's property or as long as it ticks all of my other needs, I'm quite flexible in terms of what the actual accommodation looks like as well, which I think makes things a whole lot easier too. That's amazing. <laughs> For those of you that are starting out um, and budget is an issue, hostels in Europe, just like backpacker hostels, a lot of them, and I would say like 50% or more of them are set up for digital nomads now. They have co-working spaces. They have super fast Wi-Fi. They have all the PowerPoints you'll need. They have coffee station that you can help yourself to. So in I went to Lisbon 
a month ago and I stayed in a hostel and there were so many people working on their laptops. So, and that's like 30 euro a night, which is close to like 30 US dollars a night, 30, 35 US dollars a night, which is reasonably affordable. What's that, like oh, 200 yeah. US dollars a week? Like, yeah, it, that's amazing. And so like, like get creative as well about don't feel like you have to stay in a hotel or you have to stay in an expensive Airbnb, like get creative about stuff and you'll meet other digital nomads. And then you can also like go, well, should we go to, do you want to go to Spain for a month and we'll find a place that we can take together. And then if the four of us pay a quarter each and then it becomes a really affordable thing and you can do things like that as well, like get creative. Yeah, no, that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think that's a really good idea too. And um, I think I, the fun of it is getting creative with it, right? Yeah. I think it makes it just such a unique experience. Totally. <laughs> that's it. Because it is an experience. It's, yeah. it's, it's an experience all of its own. It's unlike anything else and to it be working. Totally once right. in a lifetime. You know, you might yeah. never get the opportunity to do this again. So if you're going to do it, do it, do yeah. it all out, like go all out and do it right. And just have fun with it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. 100%. You know, so, okay. So obviously there's so many good things, bad things and stuff mm-hmm. with, you know, living life this way. I, yep. I always like to be fully transparent with my audience. Yes. Like I like to make sure they know, like as much as I'm an advocate for solo travel and yes. getting out there and doing this, there are still some things that could happen. Like I've had moments where I'm like, I could have easily let it completely tell me never to travel solo again however you know that can happen walking out my front door like I mean it is what it is it's still life and it's still the world we live in so you know definitely sharing you know some of those like oh crap moments or just moments that you know oh gosh this really tested me um you know I'd love to show that side of it too so people can go into this with a realistic point of view I guess the first thing, maybe I'll I'll get to the oh crap moments, but the first thing to say just realistically about living this life is it can be really exhausting and really hard. Because if you think about when you travel, travel takes half a day to a day and then you have to prep for the travel and then you have to unwind from the travel, even short trips in Europe. Europe is, I think, quite easy to travel in the, even po- in the post-COVID world. Um, you know, most countries, you don't have to do the tests anymore and you don't have to do the passenger locator forms and you don't have to do like the endless kind of paperwork and things that we have been doing. But there's still a tension about traveling that there wasn't before. There's a tension of, have I done all the things that I needed to do? And I'm really not sure that I've ticked all the boxes. Am I going to get stopped at the border? And they're going to say, sorry, you can't enter because your (laughs) test is two hours out of date or, you know, like, and so like the actual travel piece, it takes energy and it takes time and if you have a highly demanding job that takes energy and time the travel can actually feel like work on top of work and so just to be really realistic like how many hours a day does my does my work need from me and can I realistically move around the world on the hour in the hours that I'm not needing to like be on the computer or whatever it is that that you're doing. So that's the first thing I would say, like get, get really clear on how much your work is asking from you and how much spaciousness you have around that and to make sure that you can kind of fit all of the things in together. Yeah, that's a, that's good advice. I, um, yeah, I just, 
because I feel like so many people go into this too with you know rose colored glasses so yeah yeah, you have to you have to plan it out and just know what's going to be expected of you what do you have to do so this way you don't set yourself up like with these expectations that you're not that aren't realistic for you (laughs) totally it's totally true and then in terms of like solo female traveling solo woman traveler so i've been traveling solo on and off for years i um i mean i walked the camino santiago all the way across spain six years on my own as a solo female which was absolutely fantastic and um i walk i've actually done a, a, a month's hike in norway on my own as well and then i like i actually quite enjoy solo travel and I enjoy travel with people as well so I I generally try to find the balance of it um and I have had experiences of true fear of oh I'm in a situation now where I'm not sure that um that this is actually going to be one that I'm going to safely get out of and I'm really fortunate that I was able to somehow blend into the background so that I wasn't paid attention to enough for it to become a problem or somehow find my way out of the situations that were uncomfortable. I think the thing and this is a tricky one and this is I mean this is my genuine response but I'm aware that when I say it that it can be this is a tricky balance of trusting the gut as well but I realized about six years ago that I genuinely believe in the goodness of humans. Like I actually think that humans are amazing and I think that like we really are here to uplift and be decent to each other. The majority of us are actually good people. And I think because I have this expectation that people are going to be good, I come across people who are good. And I think that because I look at people with the energy and the viewpoint of you're a good person and we're going to interact in a way that's going to be really positive for both of us, that's actually what ends up happening without being woo-woo and without being stupid about it or without being just like naively going into situations and going, but, but I look at you and you, you you love me. (laughs) Did you just say woo-woo? Yes, I said woo-woo. I say it all the time, and I've never heard anyone else say it because I went moving out to Arizona. It's a very spiritual area, and I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm getting the woo-woo. Like, I have crystals and like woo-woo. all this stuff. I, yeah. Sorry, I totally had to cut you off there and just be like, finally, a girl after no. my own heart who knows these words that I say. <laughs> I refer to myself as woo because I'm only a little bit woo-woo. I'm not yes. the full I'm just a little bit woo <laughs> I want to say that I'm like only it's kind of like um I don't know if you've ever seen the movie House Bunny um but when she's like I want mahi she goes and orders mahi mahi she's like but Uh I only get one mahi because I'm on a diet she didn't realize that the actual fish is a mahi mahi she thought it was and I'm so that's how we can say it like I'm just a woo not a woo woo I believe in the goodness of humans and I will look at you with the energy of believing that you are good but I will not give you a crystal that's kind of I love that though because I think with media always you know shoving the negative in our faces and it doesn't matter where you live yeah everywhere you get shown the negative all the time yeah it just really does make us forget that oh this is just such an outlier these folks that are not good um yeah because the majority of us do have good hearts no matter what you believe in who you what you support you know in general we have good hearts it's just 
you know, so again, it's all about mindset and mind shift, yeah. right? And like putting that yeah. positive energy, I, you know, as much as we're just woos, um, I do believe too, and <laughs> putting the positive energy out there and you will get that in return. And if you're negative, well, what do you think you're going to attract positive yeah. people? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I'll say, and I know that this is deeply and incredibly hard for, um, for most women. And I say that with love because I work with women and I help women heal. So I'm very aware that we struggle to receive. We think that we have to do it all. We think we have to be tough and strong and brave and do everything ourselves. And the honest truth is if we can take a deep breath and sit back and go, you know what? If you would just fill up my water bottles for me so I've got one less thing to do in the van tonight, that would actually be amazing. And it doesn't mean that I'm weaker or less capable. Oh, thank you so much. Like that's like that's a really good skill to learn. And I'm still learning it. And that's why I'm aware of it because I'm not very good at it, but I'm getting better and better. I mean, but that's all you can do, right? Is just be yeah. aware and recognize it to then learn from it. You know, at the end of the day, we all are still learning no one's perfect mm -hmm. and as long but as long as you make that conscious effort I yes. think that in my opinion goes such a long way because it shows you actually and genuinely care to try but yet you're still human you know you're still you know what I mean you're not perfect yes exactly that's it exactly you know yeah. and and speaking of like good people and good humans mm -hmm. and, you know I, I think nowadays too it really makes people more fearful on like immersing themselves in the culture of different locations because yeah. you know they're worried like you know can I trust the person that I'm spending time with to learn you know how locals live or are they going to mm -hmm. have opinions of me because of who I am and where I'm from etc have you how have you been able to really immerse yourself where you've been um because I know yeah. that's of such importance you know we're really trying to move away from being just tourists and when we're mm -hmm. out there really becoming travelers and really diving in to learn what's amazing about these different places we go to. So I'd love to hear some of your kind of yeah. mind. I know my favorite culturally immersive story was in Greece. <laughs> so I'd love to hear some yeah. of yours. Yes. So I think the first thing is, is to, um, is to like really just accept that you are a foreigner in a foreign land and, to as much as we possibly can, which is difficult, right? Because we're all looking through these eyes, through these brains of all of our past experiences and our learning. But like to just ex just approach it with curiosity and go, what can I actually like learn? Or what does this place have to show me? Or who are you amazing people? And how are you living? And how are you different from me? And what would I like to take away and make my own afterwards? And to actually, I find that because I am a genuinely enthusiastically curious person and I love learning about the way other people live and what makes them tick, that people are generally like, really, you want to know? I totally want to show you my vegetable garden and then explain to you what I cook with it in like the smallest detail because nobody ever gives me like an hour of their time to actually sit and watch me chop tomatoes or, you know, like whatever experience it is that you're having. And I just find like approach it with curiosity and go, yeah, I, I am quite obviously a tourist. I'm a tourist because of the color of my skin, which at the moment is red because I'm not my complexion is not suited to this climate. 
and I'm wearing a massive hat and I'm wearing flip-flops and a backpack everywhere I go. I look like a tourist. And so I just am surrendered to the fact that I am a traveler and yet I want to know more about you. So come and talk to me. And I just wind up talking to people everywhere and learning about the most amazing people who have the most amazing lives that you would never think it if on the surface. And then you start chatting and you're like, oh, wow. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah, I agree. And what I love too about having those experiences and, you know, and anyone listening, we're not saying to just be completely out there and, you know, no. take all these risks. Like you still no. don't need to have your wits about you, of course, yeah. but you gotta know to not have your guard up so high that you're going to yeah. miss out on all these experiences. And yeah. what I love about being open, and even if it's just sitting at a pub at, you know, and just talking to the person sitting next to you, that's when those barriers and those stereotypes yeah. start breaking down. Cause you just truly learn. We are all, whether you're from London, Australia, the U S mm -hmm. Africa, wherever we are mm -hmm. all genuinely so much we all have so much in common and we all have you know that same purpose to be you yeah. know to be you know respected to be you know to find love and to really live a fulfilling life and like yeah. in general I feel like everyone has that same want and yeah. if you just like get to know people and just break down all the things media teaches you or school teaches you or heck your parents might have taught you yeah. like you can just the experiences you'll have are just yeah. endless Yes. And the truth is, is that a, a female on their own is of interest. And I don't, I mean, yes, there are creepers and yes, there are players and yes, there are dudes who I'm just like, I'm actually not even going to give you the time of answering what you just said to me and I'm moving away now. And of course that happens. But the majority of people are like, you're a female on your own traveling the world. Could you explain to me how this works? Because you're so unusual and yet it's so fascinating. And so I end up just talking to everybody for hours if I can. And they're just like, what? How? Why? And then I'm like, okay, now tell me about you. And I, it's just, it's like a really beautiful exchange. And being on your own, like digital nomad, especially being on your own opens you up to the world and to interacting with people in ways that if you're with a couple or with a group, you just don't have because you yeah. have that person immediately to talk to, right? You're sitting at the bar, you're talking to your friend instead of sitting at the bar, having a drink on your own and seeing who there is to also chat with if your gut tells you that it's a comfortable thing to do. Agreed. It put, helps you, you know, you have a comfort, you have that barrier. It's the same reason why I always tell people, like, if you can try to stay out of, like, five-star hotels or, like, yes. exclusive places, those yes. allow you to have a barrier from, like, really immersing yourself and getting out there because you don't have to leave. <laughs> you That's don't it. have to leave. Like, That's it. You know, I've had moments where, like, yes, all I want to do is lay on a beach, drink some pina coladas disconnect from the world and so all-inclusives perfect for that in the Caribbean love it if that's what you love do you but try to at least get out of there for a day like go and yeah. actually venture into the local region where you are so you'll yeah. come home with some type of awareness and knowledge about you know the destination you were just at because if you stay in those four walls you don't know anything <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it and actually the 
best way for me in terms of that was actually the van life because the reality of living in a van is the minute you open your door, you are outside in the world. And so there's actually nowhere to hide. If you want to hide, you have to close yourself into this little box. And it's not so much fun in there sometimes. So you open your door, you're in the world, and everybody goes, oh, there's a female living in a van. I'm going to go and chat with her. And Mm -hmm. if if I sat in my van doorway, I would have probably spoken to 15 to 20 people a day. Yeah. And everybody wanted to come and go, where are you from? What are you doing? Where have you been? Where do you park up? How does this work? Do you really cook for yourself in there? You know, like all of the things. And it was just a really beautiful connection point. So I agree with you. If you're the sort of person that needs a resort, go to a resort. But if you're the sort of person who actually wants to experience more than that, see what you can find that's a little bit outside of the box in order for places to stay. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. And I even, you know, I'm trying to figure out a fun, just little like weekend trip um, because I need to explore more of where I'm living now. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, stay at this hotel, stay at that hotel. But I actually found this insane stargazing camp um, that have these like dome type tents with like clear viewed, clear ceilings. So like you're laying in your king size bed. And like you look up and you can stargaze because it's um, a dark zone. So that means like there's no lights after a certain time. Everything's so it's the best place to stargaze. And I'm like, no, I'm going to stay there. They're like, do you feel safe? I'm like, it's camping, guys. Like, you know, and I'm I'm very much if something's meant to happen to me, it's going to happen no matter where I am. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I can't sit here and just be like, nope, not going to have this cool experience of you yes, know, stargazing in the desert because I'm oh nervous. God, that's amazing. That's so amazing. I love it. Oh yeah, I'm so excited about it. It'll yeah, be, it'll definitely be a good, good, good time. <laughs> totally awesome. Yes. Well, Naomi, I appreciate so much you taking the time to talk to us today, um, and really just share with the audience your experiences and you know why you love what you're doing and just and the tips you've given on those that might be interested in mm-hmm. embarking on this. I, I know it's gonna really resonate with people, but mm-hmm. I ask everyone I talk to yes. um, this final kind of like question. If you could leave our audience with one main piece of advice, what would that be? Like it's it's kind of like your you know, golden, you know, trophy of advice. <laughs> okay. I'm going to leave your audience with three pieces of advice, Sarah. Love it. Right. Love Two it. of them are very quick because I wish that I had known this a year ago. One of them is that, okay, so the first piece, very quickly, I wish I'd known this a year ago, and I may be late to this party, I don't know, but I've just discovered eSIMs for my phone, which is basically a SIM card in whichever country you're going in, but it's digital, so you just scan a QR code, you don't have to buy a SIM card, and then you're hooked up to the data network of whichever country that you've oh, just cool. in. Yeah, eSIMs, you can just Google them, check them out. Awesome. Um, So that's my first piece. The second piece is just about the visas really quickly because um, I mentioned that I would mention them. And it's just to say there are a lot of things that are available to digital nomads these days. Um, There's a lot of countries that are really welcoming to digital nomads because they like 
the income of obviously that the nomads bring to their country. Um, and so just do a little bit of like work out where you want to go and do a little bit of research and see what's available and also get start to get creative. For example, in Europe, you can stay for three months and then you have to leave for three months. Yeah. So stay for three months and then go to Asia for three months and then come back to Europe for three months and or, you know, go to the UK for three months. Or So there's ways to get really super creative about your movements that don't um, that don't slow you down as much. So the visa thing can feel really scary and daunting, but it's actually not as hard as we make it out to be. So that's my second little piece. My third piece, and this is the real one, is I would just say if there's part of you that's aching to do it and if you have the means to do it, and by the means I mean like three months of income saved up that you can lean on if something happens to you, just do it. Just give it a go and do it because the worst thing that's going to happen is that you're going to go home and it's not going to work out for you. And the best thing that's going to happen is that it's going to be the most extraordinary experience of your life that you'll never regret ever. So just do it. Give it a go, and but be smart about it. Don't just go, well, I've got five bucks in the bank and well, I'll be fine. <laughs> smart about it and go, yeah, I can actually afford to go away. I've got income coming in. I've got a job that I can move around with. I've always wanted to go to Portugal. I've always got, wanted to go to Thailand. I'm going to go for two months and see what happens. I love that. I agree. Just do it. The more you think about it, the more you're going to psych yourself out and then not go. Yes. <laughs> You can always talk yourself out of it, but exactly. a really good friend of mine said, and like, I love this. I'll leave you with this. She said, you know, we're always thinking about the future and we're basically always making up what's going to happen. And we're always making up that bad things are going to happen in our future. The re our relationship's going to end. We're going to run out of money. We're not going to be able to buy the house. You know, we're making it up. But what happens because we're making it up anyway, what happens if you just make up your future that it's going to be amazing? And then see what happens if you just live that instead. I agree. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank so you good. so much, Naomi. It was just so fun talking to you. And just so it just good. felt like I was talking to one of my friends that I've known forever. So in your yes. excitement and enthusiasm about it, just oh, yes. I love it. <laughs> my pleasure, Sarah. And of course, if there's questions or if anything comes up, I would be more than happy to be a resource as well. So oh, I love that. And for everyone listening in the description and the show notes, you will see details about Naomi and ways to, you know, get in touch and things like yes. that. So definitely check that out if you're interested in learning more. And yes. if not, we will see you next time. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. This was so much fun. Huge shout out to our sponsors, Torlina and Anchor. Be sure to visit us over at solotravelwoman.com and on whatever podcast platform you listen to this episode on, please be sure to leave us a rating and a review and let us know what you want to see on the next episode of the Solo Travel Woman podcast. See you next time.